Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and as usual, we are in the Brunswick Street Bookstore in Brunswick Street. And, as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Manley. Hello, everybody. How is life going for you? Uh, Life is different. I'm doing some new things, but maybe more about that later, I guess. I was about to say, I wanted you to go on and be like, and I'm doing this, and then I would have cut you off. I'd be like, not the time, Luke. (laughs) But you preempted me. Yep. That's good. Nothing... Well, it's pretty big, but um, it's only just started, so it's small, but it's big. So I'll keep that for a bit later. Teasing. Yes, that's what it's called. That's right. Uh, Our guest for today is Sandy Seeger. Yes, hello. Um, Sandy started writing when she was six years old. She has the first journal she ever wrote in, which declared, When I grow up, I want to be a writer, and included sentiments such as, If some kid ever beat me in a running race, I'd probably bash them up. It's all true. (laughs) Sandy is now the director and editor-in-chief of Anya Magazine, as well as a content producer and digital strategist for various brands. She writes for Forbes Travel Guide as their Melbourne correspondent, and in 2011, Sandy founded the Melbourne Writers Club. She loves seeing ink marks around her forefinger and has a terrible habit of making lists. Again, all true. All true, apparently. (laughs) Thanks for having me, though, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Very good to have you. Um, So did you ever get beaten by a kid in a running race? I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it, primary school, high school. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So violence yeah. was <laughs> yeah. part of that. Pretty, I think you'd yeah. recall. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I assume you fa- your parents found your journal and decided not to enter you in any running races. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They saw that and they were like, "I remember <laughs> finding that journal in my parents' garage yeah. when they were doing a bit of a clear out." And I thought, yeah. "Oh, what is this?" And then as soon as I saw the cover, I was like, "Oh, hang on a minute!" And I opened it, and literally the, the opening paragraph: "When I grow up, I want to be a writer." <laughs> and then, like, I was flicking through it, and seriously, if some kid ever beat me in a running race, I'd probably bash them <laughs> up. And all these thoughts, I was like, "Who was I?" So they were like instant <laughs> thoughts, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as they popped in, they but were it, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty well. good. Um. So I wonder why that says latent violence, yeah. um, psychotic tendencies. Perhaps. Perhaps. Is that being an artist or something? <laughs> I don't know. Or in- insanely competitive, yeah, whatever. That's right. Exactly. An artist. Okay, less artist, more business now. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's Beating people true. up, that's also business. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I also used to do in about, <laughs> yeah. I think, grade five I started? I made my own school newspaper. So I'd, you know. Started early. I'm 31, not that old, but I remember the old, we had a typewriter at home, kind of pre-computer days, Mm. and I would type up little articles and kind of organise the layout and Mm. then print them, like, you know, type them all out, pin them all on a piece of paper, map them all out, and then photocopy them and sell them Mm. for 50 cents a copy. It was like schoolyard gossip and all that type of thing. So quite a little entrepreneur. How how many (laughs) many sales did you get? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember, but enough to keep canteen runs fully funded. That is oh. pretty so, good. Yeah. I did that for most of grade five, I think. 
What was the best piece of gossip do you have? I don't remember. You can't remember. I should see if I can find. Did some you of them blot right. them out of your memory as well? Was I, it like? I imagine it was all fairly boring. To <laughs> yeah, be honest, probably. But yeah. you know, that's primary fine. school. So, yeah, you know, yeah. That's the worst that can happen. Yeah. I mean, with the school system today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you well, never you know. know. Yeah, it was all pretty innocent, I think. Yeah, back then. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, what has your week been like, Sandy? Just relaxing, working? No, it hasn't been relaxing, mm-hmm. but it's been very good though. Yeah. Um, I've been working, yes. Uh, so what is it, Wednesday? I feel yes. like it's already been three weeks, just in three days. Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty intense <laughs> and hectic, um, but working, so I work in social media mm-hmm. a fair bit and have a fair few clients, so that yeah. keeps me pretty busy a lot yeah. of the time, um, but also editing the magazine online magazine yep. on you um and yeah just writing some stuff for that mm. i have a new client as well that i've started doing some marketing and pr stuff for as well as some social mm. media so just getting things in motion with that has been pretty busy as well yep. had a few meetings been in the car a bit driving around to lots of different places had a couple of coffee catch-ups busy hectic mm. but fun yeah sounds yep. good sounds like a very good week <laughs> um so let's Catch up with what you've been doing, Luke. I think we need to come around to you first. I'm, I'm still <laughs> dragging on. mine out a bit. No, 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 no. This is not how it works. Oh, okay. So a lot of you would have heard last fortnight when my um, Kickstarter project was still mm-hmm. going. It's finished now on Sunday. Didn't really get very far, but mm-hmm. it was just enough to sort of tickle the industry and figure out what I need to do. Yeah. And so I decided let's stick it on Patreon instead because that's a bit more... Um, active. It's a bit more active and mm-hmm. it sort of keeps going so you can build up an audience. Mm-hmm which is exactly what I was really needing for this. So instead of just like getting a lump and getting a little book and finishing it and that's it, um, maybe move on to another project. It's just sort of like an ongoing build an audience story by story uh, subscription. Yeah. So uh, that's now running at patreon.com, Manly Luke. Uh, Luke Manly was taken for some reason. I don't know who took that. <laughs> I'll be looking for him. Manly um, Luke. <laughs> wow. So that's right. Um, dark fantasy stories. Sticking out now, so that's right. So same project basically on the Kickstarter. Same project, but it's obviously it's an ongoing mm-hmm. idea, so it's further stories rather than just the one collection from Kickstarter. Okay. Well so we'll the, probably yeah. check back with you in a few weeks. You won't be here on the next podcast, will you? No, I'll be for the next next podcast. I'll be overseas then. But okay. um So we'll check back once you're yeah, back. We'll check back once I get so it might be a lot of progress. Yeah, or that's it could right. be just flatlining. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean either are worth it's talking still about. Still worth so. learning, yep. Yeah, that's right. Talking about. Um, no, that's very interesting. So let's move swiftly on to our film and TV discussion. What have you been doing, Joel? Yeah, <laughs> uh, trying to avoid that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. I, the reason, in many ways, why I never talk about what I do, it's the same thing every <laughs> week. That's all right. We need to hear your breakthroughs this time. Uh, so I've been writing a novella again. Uh, this time it's so I've started a new project. A uh, new novella series decided to move away from the crime and fantasy for a little bit. It's still going. Those are still ongoing series. But I mm-hmm. thought, hey, you know, I've got an idea. And why don't I take a uh, – it's not so much alt history. Um, so I'm just using a fantasy uh, background and just creating – uh, a story based on a historical event. I'm being very vague, obviously, right now. Uh, because Keep the surprises. Uh, yeah, I, when it's out, then I will talk about it a bit more. Um, but it's basically a novella questioning what we establish as a legend or what we consider to be a, a heroine in our society and looking back on it and look going through more of a breakdown as to what this character really was about, what was she, 
what maybe she was like and delving a little deeper and a little darker, I guess, into this mm. uh, period. Um, it's, I guess, based on historical France in the medieval era. So that's a bit of a hint. Three guesses. Yeah. <laughs> heroin. Um, <laughs> Fantasy it, writer. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's been a lot of stuff written about her in a historical sense exploring, you know, the history behind it. But I, I wanted to go away from that. I wanted to go back to um, something that is still uh, uh, fantasy, so it's fictionalizing something, but also wondering and poking a bit of holes into it and thinking, hmm, you know, think about this for a moment. What if this hmm. uh, is another angle? So, I'll t- hmm. again, all vague statements. It's just Yeah, it's all nebulous and everything. But, yeah, <laughs> when it's out, I can chat about it, and um, I really do want to chat about it about it because it's a it's a fun process of writing through it um but yep. apart from that that's pretty much been my week uh doing a bit more research at the library these days and i yeah. love libraries yeah the mm. state library in victoria mm. gorgeous building amazing um fantastic for the mind you just sit down you mm-hmm. start writing you don't get distracted mm. i must say there was a distracting character next to me this time but uh, <laughs> well you get that you get sometimes that. that's helpful can be sometimes you know something to draw on yes sometimes however it can yeah, just yeah. be a pain <laughs> in the neck <laughs> very true <laughs> and this was the latter um but anyway moving on to the film and tv discussion uh since you've been shoving it all off on me this time luke why don't we start <laughs> with you starting off with me i don't have a lot to talk about let's um uh, i do have one or two references, though, mm-hmm. to go back to. I don't know if you m- heard that I was watching House. I know everybody's watched yeah. it except me at this stage. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yes. I've gotten House. I haven't. House. So, yeah, seen it? Oh, no, okay. I'm with you. Well, well I wasn't going to explain the whole series, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get watch- the gist behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you, Laurie, just, being great. Pretty so much it was, it. I don't know what series I was up to last time I talked about it, but um, it was great back then. And now it's sort of spiraling a little downwards. It's it's good. It's still good. And it's watch, I'm watching mm-hmm. these series go through all the characters and mm. what's happening to them. But whereas it used to be really great, was a really huge focus on uh, each different medical case as well as the character stories. Now it's more like a tiny snippet of um, medical case. And 90% character stories. But at the same time, it seems to be that they're dragging it out so long just to get the, the whole season out. Mm, mm. So okay. they just pull in like a, a, min- a minor case, which doesn't really make any, doesn't no impact. It doesn't really, no one uh, questions it. Like um, there's of, often like uh, philosophical statements that they question with different characters. But, but now it's just like a tiny case that they just pretend to be desperately worried about. And yeah. the rest of it's just dragging out a long story without really getting anywhere with every episode. Mm. So it's like milking it for its money, which is a bit sad. Yeah. Because the start of the series was great. I did um, hear, actually, that House gets a bit samey it's towards still, the end. It's Don't you still find a lot of shows it? go through that, though? Yeah. Like, if you think of any long-running show, mm. it ha- they have their dips. Like, even The Walking Dead, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. It's it's kind of... <laughs> it's getting it's there. In this, it's in this... It to that stage. It's yeah. in this bit at the moment where mm. you're like, mm, I'm going to be really interested to see, to see what they do the yeah, next yeah. season. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought last season was good, loved it, great, but I think it needs something. Yeah. yeah. I think we see that with a lot of books as well, to be yeah. honest. Mm. Um, I don't yeah, know how do. many, how you've, you actually <laughs> took my advice and started reading Robert Jordan's Wheel yeah. of Time, didn't you, Joel? Yeah, I'll get back well, to you guys on that. Uh, give it one or two books. Third book is the same as the second. Fourth book is the same as the second. Fifth uh, book is the same as the second. Sixth yeah. book is the same as the but second. But Luke, it's called the Wheel of 
time. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, just keep printing. Excusable, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just keep right. paying 30 bucks a copy. That's right. <laughs> but so House is getting to that. Stage. But it's it's sort of. I mean, it's not like it's repeating anything. Mm-hmm. It's still going through the stories, but it doesn't need to be that slow. It's like an artificial drag on yeah. the character stories. Yeah. So it's a little bit sad in that respect. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the other movie, so, well, movie or sort of a movie that I wanted to mention was Sin City. I only just watched that last week. Frank Miller. And yep. never watched any of his stuff before, as far as I recall. I don't mm-hmm. generally well, recall directors anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, Frank Miller is like the source material so yep. for Sin City and 300, so you would have seen. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was... Intrigued. I'm never like desperate to see anything noir or pulp, yeah. but it's interesting to see it, especially mm. in this case where it was very short, like pulpy noir, art house sort of films, yeah. yeah, where everything's sort of gray and black and white, except for like one element is coloredness at the very focus of the story. That was it was mm-hmm. really interesting to see that, and also because I'm a big um, ex- expanded universe, extended everything, so epic fantasy, etc. Yeah. fan to see all the different character stories because it wasn't just one character focus; mm-hmm. it was like little short, yeah. little short clips of different people who you see in all the other films, all yeah. the other um, shorts. So, no, it was a good experience. Um, I, honestly, I got into it because of Bruce Willis. I saw him on the front and I was like, aha, this is going to be fun. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, But um, it wasn't quite what I was expecting, but it was, yeah, it was definitely worth the, worth the watch. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you talk um, about that because, uh, I don't know, the reason I put off watching Sin City, it... And you'd think it appeals to everything about like what I like, you know, that mm. pulpy noir thing. I love that, right? Yeah. But, yeah, there was just something that, you know, didn't really draw me in. And I think that comes down to it being from Frank Miller. Uh, I have nothing against the guy. I think he makes really good stuff. <laughs> um, but it's just a certain thing about Frank Miller's work that doesn't resonate with me. Mm. Um, I think it's his overt ten, um, uh, tradition of like darkness and what I mean by darkness it's funny in this case because everything's black and white but that's not what I mean it's just the idea of you know everything's being very very muddy in his stories even in 300 I think that's something that put me off um, not so much in the in the adaptation of film because that's pretty much just okay yeah, yeah. Um, but but even in the comics and just the art style and stuff mm, just doesn't gel with me I think and, it, and I think he did some some work in the Marvel universe such as Batman but uh yeah, definitely not my thing. But uh, anything else you've been watching? Uh, no, I, probably a few things, but I can't recall them off the top of my head. So yep. let's um, move on. Now let's move on. Sandy, have you watched anything of note recently? Well, not. I have a list of films I want to say that's as long as my arm because <laughs> I'm a little behind. <laughs> yeah, um, same. I missed some really good stuff at MIF, Melbourne International Film Festival. Yeah. Um, Yep. <laughs> Muff is coming up, which is the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. Okay. <laughs> On your magazine, maybe a partner or oh, not. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe that's something that was keeping me busy okay, this week. There no. you go. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so that will be, there'll be some really good things coming out there. Nice. Um, so I haven't seen many films lately, but Suits, TV show from the yes. US. Yeah. I love Suits. Yeah. I'm a bit of a sucker for anything with a kind of political or legal mm-hmm. yeah. element to it. It just kind of speaks to me in some way. Yeah. So. Yeah, loving suits at the moment. I mentioned to you before, Joel, I don't really watch TV on TV. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, it's all catch up or online, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else am I watching? I actually have really gotten into Madam Secretary channel. Yeah. I think it's channel 10, but yeah, I, again, yeah. I've just been watching it on catch up or yeah, whatever yeah. their app is. Um, again, it's like 
T. Leone, I think, mm. and she plays Secretary of State. And yep. Super political, but I really like it. Yeah, yeah. With Suits, going yeah. back to that one. Mm. Um, talk to me about why you like it. So, like, what goes into that that I think draws you in? It it, it had definitely has that setup of, like, a binge-watch TV show, doesn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, in some way. Especially if you are into, you know, kind of legal drama. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah. your legal porn, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but <clears throat> the characters are amazing. So, especially, you know, if you watch from the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you watch from the beginning, you kind of get a really, you get invested in their lives and they all yeah. intertwine. But it's the cases. So what you're talking about, Luke, with House and how each episode tends to focus on something, yeah. that happened in the first few seasons of Suits. So yeah. every episode would be focused entirely of, on its own case and its own yeah. kind of thing. As it's gone on... I think perhaps the fourth season, last season, literally there was a case that spanned a merger that spanned most of the season. Yeah. So very different to what they'd previously done. But I think they still did it in a really clever and engaging way. Mm -hmm. It's the writing. I love... I love the writing on Suits. Yeah. So the same reason I loved the newsroom, which yeah. Aaron Sorkin's newsroom, a lot of people yeah. hated it. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Um, yeah. So it's just the writing that pulls mm-hmm. me in. And you've got good actors playing good characters. So yeah. no um, Here's a suggestion for you yes. if you haven't seen this. Yes. Uh, have you seen Silk? It's a BBC show. No, I haven't. But I okay. would. Yeah, I've heard really good things. Yeah, that's a recommendation yeah. for you because um, there's an actor in there that I, I like quite a bit. His name is... Uh, it's one of those days. I cannot remember his name. Um, but he I've was always in the, got those days. Yes. <laughs> I have those permanently. Um, he was in Whitechapel. And okay. um, Rupert Penry Jones is the okay. actor. And, and he's one of the characters in Silk. And I believe Silk was cancelled eventually. Okay. Uh, so that that's the counterpoint to watching it. Because you know it's not going <laughs> to so be. At some point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to just end. Yeah. And just that's left fine, hanging. Though. Which it's still White- good viewing. Yeah, that's right. And and what I did with Whitechapel is I watched all up to pretty much before the last season. I just didn't watch the last season. Okay. Because I knew that I had a cliffhanger and I would never find out. So sure. Well, there it. was that recent um, ABC series, The Glitch. Yes. It was yeah. six episodes. Yeah. So really Mini good. series, yeah. Really, really good. But there was that period where people weren't sure whether it was going to be yeah. renewed for a second season. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, there are so many unanswered questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What will we do? That's The Glitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> Chapow. and also I think not just puns uh, I think Utopia is yeah. back on ABC tonight maybe starting so that's Rob okay. Sitch and those guys yeah um, I, I watched the first season of that last year and mm-hmm. I really liked it it's kind of satire political satire yeah. and bureaucracy and that kind of stuff really very clever yeah I'm again. seeing a trend here. yeah yeah I, I know like. <laughs> <laughs> I do watch other things though I just not at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah I, I definitely have my fallback shows as well yeah. but um, yeah no, that's, that's really I think part of that whole thing is because probably if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now I would either be working in law or politics yeah yeah because yeah. they, were, they were two areas I yeah. really loved in yeah. high school but I just kind of went on a different path and chose different things. Funny you say that because I, uh, before I took my writing course, I was like, so do I do law or do mm. I do writing? And mm. I guess I went for the more yeah. healthy option, but uh, <laughs> the one that keeps me alive. Or, yeah. or not. Yeah. Okay. But um, but no, th- that's a very, very interesting area, you know, yes, and you can make fantastic dramas around it as yeah. well. So yeah. 
Um, anything else no, uh, you've got for us? That's, that's it. Yeah. Um, for me, I've been really slack uh, when it comes to writing. Again, my week has been made up of just novella writing. So That is writing. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm weak when it comes to finding stuff to talk about oh. on the TV show. Uh, or well, that's drama not a bad thing. It's that's not right. a bad thing at no, all. It's not a bad thing, but... If you come back and say, I've watched 30 shows this week, yeah, you're probably you in trouble. Else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else did you do, Joel? Uh, shows? <laughs> Have you written a single word? Yeah, yeah. But, but again, you know that that's good to fill you well with creative you know stuff so i agree yeah it it's good to to do different things and and for me the only thing i've watched which i almost don't want to talk about um <laughs> oh that sounds good them, already <laughs> actually yeah. uh was stargate uh, the 1994 um sg1 was that or the, in the film? no the very first film oh. that started the whole thing great i love that film and i watched the fifth element now you might see a trend with these two films they're mm-hmm. both retro sci-fi mm-hmm. And I don't know how to feel about them. I they were both amazing. I yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me why you like. Convince <laughs> me to like them it very well anymore. It's been so long since I watched them. Like, uh... I, the, the, I think the kicker for me Ooh. with um, Stargate was Kurt Russell. Um, you know, Kurt Russell being Kurt Russell mm. and punching aliens was kind of good. Um, <laughs> but the film script was bad. I have to say, Stargate was a bad movie. Yeah, but a bad movie <laughs> in the way that could be good yeah. you know it has mm. this um it was it was quite poor yeah it was bad and i i believe james spader who played um i forget his character name but he's i did not know it was james spader by the way uh i was like well that's a young i don't, don't uh, know who this guy is uh uh, uh the linguist i can't remember yeah. his name either daniel that's it. daniel uh and he i think he said once he took the script because he needed money. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he knew it was a bad script. I, I believe that's what he said. Um, mm. And, yeah, it, it definitely felt like it was a, it was a really bad movie. Um, yeah. But in that way, that's forgivable. In mm. that way, that's it's a retro, kind of funny. There's something funny about American space marines punching aliens. Eh, you can excuse yeah, the right. being it mm-hmm. bad, you know. Um, with the fifth element... Um, that's another retro uh, science, and hmm. I'm I'm on the fence with this film. I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, mainly, it comes down to the fact of: is it good simply because the nostalgic element of that movie carried it through, and Bruce Willis's performance carried the film, or was it actually a good story? I think it's interesting to break this down, and I think I will go into a bit of a, a breakdown of this film. Uh, you have a save the world plot. That's strung over um, a weird 90s version of the future. Of a dystopian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of, of, of the future. And um, in in the way, it doesn't do anything that interesting. It has really good designs and good uh, character designs and cool ideas floating around. But really, in the end, it boils down to a pretty simple plot. You know, mm-hmm. um, where Bruce Willis eventually... Becomes Bruce Willis. We all know him to be. He didn't lose his hair. Uh, he has hair, which is actually quite nice. Um, <laughs> and it's Bruce Willis. So you can't hate him for that. But yeah, yeah, to me, I don't know. It was good and pretty simple at the same time. Mm, uh, you can't find a lot okay. of extremely complex stories anymore in, in film. There are some, obviously, but there's not a lot of very complex ones mm. anymore. I mean, And that is a little bit old, too. See, mm. that's so. the thing. I often... I often hold... It's like uh, trying out new things, new concepts, kind of like... Um, yeah. 
this whole sort of it was more I think it was more the effects and the setting yeah, yeah. that was driving Fifth Element. I think it was quite sort of a bizarre and interesting place. See the Fifth Element, and I, I need to quickly do some fact checking. Right <laughs> uh, is yeah, Luc Besson is is okay. the director. And it's really weird for me that Luc Besson is the one who directed this because he makes films that are, I, I guess they try different things. And and there is a film that I do want to get back to you guys on the next podcast and talk about, and that is, um, I believe, Angel Lay or Angela. Um, and that is a film that tries new things, and it, it's a, uh, it's very small. And again, fact-checking right now. Uh, yes, Luc Besson, Angel Lay. It was done in 2005. It's a black-and-white film. Um, it's... It's it's very interesting, and, and that is the kind of film that I think I would be more interested in than something okay. like The Fifth Element. See, again, I am holding Fifth Element to like some complex f- s- uh, plot structure that it does not hold up to. Is that a fun film? Yes. Mm. Um, does it have good scenes and action and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it does. But is it anything more than that? No, I don't think it is. And I, and I don't think it is a cultural masterpiece or should be. Um, but that's just my opinion. Luke, I need free to come to... up with a better argument because I, I need to piece together. <laughs> yeah, you haven't but seen the film in a very is, long time. Yeah, it's been what two, three years, but that's not very long. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't know. It's definitely more complex than just the outward look at it, and it's also the like as I said, it's like the setting is very kind of vivid and unusual. Mm-hmm. But what's the main thing? The main focus is I can't remember her name now. Mila Jovovich's character. What's what she called in there? It's, Can't remember. <sighs> I just watched it last yeah. time. I know, and I, I have got it on the tip of my tongue, but uh, fact check. Yeah, fact check. No. That's right. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> it's the building of her. She comes. She starts off with absolutely no no mind. No, well, she has a mind, but no no memories, no education or anything yeah. of the sort. And she just starts off in this really co- weird, complex world. Yeah, and and then. Uh, sorry, Lilu. the brief Lilu, that's the one. Mm. And and then she suddenly has to learn everything and she does. She gets she gets um she talks to someone else. I can't remember his name either. It's, it's been too long for me. <laughs> and not that I remember names. But um then suddenly she has this information and she just realizes how terrible the world is. Mm. And again, it's it's mildly simple, I suppose, but this person who's never had an existence, never had any memories of her own, suddenly finding out that everything is really actually not that great. So why would she want to be the one thing that can save everything? So she, again, I suppose you could say it's complex because it's taking Bruce Willis out of the saving the world position, isn't it? But technically <laughs> no. he does save the world because he tries to convince her that it is love that, you know. Yeah, okay, but he's not the one the who has to fin- finalize it. No, it isn't, yeah. <laughs> no, but... She's the hero of the story in that respect. Yeah. But I think the reason why I have an issue is that I don't feel like anything really happened with her character. Her character did quirky things and stuff like that. It was all Mm -hmm. funny and everything. But I felt that there was... And that moment of change at the end where she's like, you know, she was an emotional wreck because of going through typing in war and then looking at everything like that. Um I, I don't well, know. She went I, through all the other title documents and pieces, and she was like, "Oh, it's actually really nice here." And then she saw this extra part come up, which is the war and yeah. the destruction, and and the idea that instead of with most stories, you've got someone who's at least seen the rest of the world or some mm-hmm. some pieces of the world. Yeah. Whether it's Frodo is in the Shire, he's got a nice place, he likes it, he wants to save it, right? Yeah. Um, but she's had nothing. She's had no memory, no upbringing. She starts blank. Mm just looks at the world and says what do I why would I want to save this what is what is in it for anyone or me yeah. or 
how will it help anything, right? See, it's an interesting question that's mm-hmm. proposed there, but I'm I'm confused as to whether it was delivered well enough. And I think that's mm. what I have issue with. It's a good, and I think you sold it to me more than I think the film did. <laughs> and you see, that's where it comes in. Um, see, a film, and, and looking at a film like Robocop, right? I'm talking about the original Robocop, mm-hmm. is a film that I love to death, mm-hmm. which has a very simple plot. Yep. But there's so much going on in that film apart from that. You know, it's talking about, you know, these mega corporations. It's talking about governmental yeah. um, breakdown of society. It's yep. making jokes about American culture. And it, there's so much in that film that's packed in. And even if the plot is simple, I'm not saying it needs to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, I'm just saying there's that more there sort of discussion within that's of what right. it actually means. There's more discussion in there. Do you think part of it was that you went in expecting something of it? because, you know, it is supposed to be this cultural icon or whatever it might be? Yeah, maybe. Because I find that sometimes impacts on viewing. And and the thing is, I can never say no to that question. Because how do you know? How do you know it if it does? But it probably did because... See, the thing is, I had just gone into that film saying somebody brought up the fifth element in a conversation. Mm. And I was like, what is that? I know that film from someone. I was like, I haven't seen this movie. And then I watched the movie. (laughs) It was as simple as that. Yeah. And I had no information. I said... I will say that I had no clue. Uh, I only knew who was in it, which is Bruce Willis. Yeah. I did not know it was directed by Luc Besson. Anything about the movie, and I just sure. went in and watched the film. Mm. So maybe that's as blind as you can get for me. Mm, true. Um, and yet I still had this, you know, uh, had this pull. Uh, mm. Maybe I imagined it to be more of a serious take on that idea. Maybe. Mm. Um, but it wasn't. And yeah, so that's why I always try and compare when people talk about retro films. I'm like, oh, it's retro and all that. But I was like, RoboCop's retro. Yeah. But it did so many things that was progressive and, and interesting. Um, and I feel like The Fifth Element did not. But, let's not to say it's a bad movie. Um, but, uh, yeah. It didn't quite live up for yours. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't quite do it for me, I think. Hmm. But, uh, no, definitely something that you should watch, I think. It, it's still worth watching. I'm, I'm in the Luke Besson phase, I think, now. Okay. So I'm going to go to Angel A and then I will move on from there and I will report back. Um, but let's move on, I think, yeah, certainly. to good. the uh, to the topic for today. Um, and it was interesting, Sandy, uh, when we got you on the podcast, and would you be interested in coming in? Mm-hmm. And you proposed a topic. Um, and that topic, to me, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, is a foreign idea. Okay. <laughs> good. So, and, and what, what I've done is I've, I have um, certain preconceptions, maybe misconceptions, uh, about the idea of marketing yourself, um, being a business, sure. engaging with the community. Um, but so so what I'll get, I, I suppose, is a discussion. So like, yeah, yeah, talk yeah. to me about let's what you... Let's chat. Yeah, let, let's have a discussion <laughs> uh, about this idea. And sure. talk to me about like, what would you do for a client or something like that? Um, say a writer would come to you and be like, hey, I'm a writer. I'm a nobody. Yeah. I want to do think social I, medias. I've never in a had a client that's not a brand or a yeah, business in yeah. some respect so mm-hmm. i would actually always suggest that if it's just a personal thing or mm-hmm. you're you unless you're huge and need yeah, yeah, yeah. hands on deck it's yeah. probably best you manage that yourself because yep. it's mm-hmm. very hard to know what that person wants to project right. or what their image wants to be or all those type of yep. things um so, but it would be interesting working. I have worked with individuals in, in the respect of like AFL players mm-hmm. and, and some basketballers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's different because they're trying to project it's a certain image. image or they're, yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. I think with writing 
or any kind of creative field, it's a bit more bare mm-hmm. and a bit more open. Yeah, um, that's right. And that's, that personal element is generally what draws people in. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, yeah, it would mm-hmm. be different and interesting. Yeah. Mm. My take on it mm-hmm. and the reason I suggested it, I suppose, is because I can talk from experience. Yeah, um, so, sorry, just for listeners. Yes. Um, Reasoning, um, or not reasoning, information. Um, what is the topic exactly here? Well, I sort of suggested to Joel that perhaps I could talk about why I think it's important. There was a few topics in there. But mm-hmm. Why I think it's important to treat your writing career more like a business mm-hmm. than maybe something that's just like a creative thing. Yep. Okay. Uh, why it's important to market yourself. Mm-hmm. If that's what you kind of want to do, yeah. Um, why it's important to network mm-hmm. again, like all kind of elements of, of treating something like as a business. business. So networking yeah. with people. Do you specifically mean an online presence in that, or just both, or everything? Everything, yep. everything. Yep. I don't think, and I'll say this up front: it's not mandatory. Yeah. I don't think you have to be on everything mm-hmm. and have a million websites and and be out there every yeah, night of the right. week. Whoops. <laughs> but I definitely, and again, I'll, I'll go back to a bit about me and, and yeah. why that's helped me. But I think having, yes, an online presence, whether it's just a, a blog or a portfolio. And when I say blog, people always think, I don't have time to write a daily blog. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to right. write a daily blog. I don't have time to write. I don't even yeah. have time. Mine is as and when I can do mm-hmm. it kind of thing. Yeah. But just having a website there with an about page mm. and a little bit about well, some examples of how you write and what you can write yeah. and a bio, that type of thing. I think that is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking from the perspective of as a writer, but also as a as an editor and publisher. Who yeah. ha- I have a lot of people come and pitch at me all the time. Yeah, yeah. Every week, heaps of emails. We want to write mm-hmm. this. I'd like mm-hmm. to do this. Here's a pitch, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I don't know if I'd look at someone that doesn't have – a presence. Just yeah. a base. doesn't have to be a huge social mm-hmm. media following. I'm not talking anything like that. Anything to look just up. Just a website, mm. a free blog, whatever it may it's be. It's almost like a resume with these some days. bare yeah. bones. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, sort of as a spin off from that, there is the idea of social media. So, yeah. again, you don't have to have and be on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. Google Plus, Instagram, because it's all very time-consuming. Yeah, You're right. sure you can do all those things, but I would probably suggest focusing on one or two and doing mm-hmm. them well and finding where your community may be yep. Um, yep. or the, your kind of target audience may be. So that's sort of what I'm saying in terms of treating it a bit like a business. Yeah, um, Yeah. kind of those ideas. I think that a lot of people in the creative fields, and it's not just writing, it's music and mm-hmm. art and all these kind of wonderful areas, I think they sometimes think that it's just enough to be talented yeah, and it's. I don't believe it's enough to be talented mm-hmm. because there are a lot of really untalented people out there <laughs> in really good jobs that yeah. that the talented people would love to have. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they were lucky, and it's not that they were. They're Some doing of them are. <laughs> well, yeah, debatable. Depends um, who you know. <laughs> but again, it does depend on who you know, yeah, and that's networking. why networking is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's not that they were any more talented than the other person. It's just that maybe they were front of mind when a position came up or an opportunity came up. And for me, when I I finished up with university, it was about 2006, and I was like, right, I'm going to do this freelance writing thing seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do. And I started pitching at publications internationally and within Australia. I'd bought the Australian Writers Marketplace, that big guide. And I went through and crossed out, like, didn't want to write for horses 
weekly or whatever it was. Didn't want to write for the moto industry. Cut the no, no, no. Yeah. And then I was left with all the things that I could feasibly write for. And I started emailing and sending resumes. And it was really tedious. And I got a lot of rejections and I got a lot of no's. And I got some good bites. Mm-hmm. But that kind of made me think about starting. And I just started a free WordPress blog at the time. Um, and it was literally because I was getting really sick of emailing people and attaching all these documents and bits and pieces. Yep, that's and right. this is 2006. It's not, doesn't seem like that long ago, but it kind mm. of was. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it was earlier. I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, so I created this free blog, which was just a very basic, yep. as you mentioned, CV resume. And I put a couple of examples of published work up on there. But then this funny thing happened and it was that people started commenting on it. Just random people via Google search or however yeah. they may have stumbled upon it. And so I thought, well, this is fun. And then I actually started blogging probably a lot more seriously then than what I do now, yeah. personally. Just for free, just for me, just for fun kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. My blog was called, I think, Miss Sandy. It's not there anymore. Yeah. I mean, I could still log into it, but it, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was really the catalyst for everything I've ever done in my career. And I, it's because I believe nothing that you do is wasted and yeah. nothing that you do is a waste of time. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's all experience, Bank. Yeah. It is all experience. And for me, starting that blog led me to being offered the position of editor for an online magazine in Sydney. I think I was mm. 23. Mm-hmm. The director of that had found a few of my blogs and thought they were funny and asked if she could republish them. I was like, amazing, yes. Um, that led to us building a bit of a relationship over mm-hmm. email. She then asked me to help write their media kit, bits and pieces. And then probably six months after that, I got offered this gig as editor. Yeah. So I was 23. I had no idea what I was doing. But of course, I said yes. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, back at university, I'd always thought I just want to write. Mm. And I'd done a few writing and, and publishing and editing kind of subjects. And I really enjoyed them. And I loved the editing side of things, but it never really twigged. Mm. So when this opportunity came to me, 100% because my blog was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, of course I'm going to do this. And I went for it. And if I had never have worked for Mink Magazine, mm-hmm. was the name of it, doesn't exist anymore. If I'd never done that, I never would have started Onya Magazine. Yeah. And if I never started Onya, I never would be working in social media and marketing because that's how the CEO of the, the company that I started working for found me. It was via yeah. Onya. And my current blog, if that didn't exist, I never would have been offered the Forbes travel writing gig. Yeah. So it's all mm. these like this big, massive interconnected web. Um, and that's why I say nothing's wasted. Um, anything that you're doing, even if it doesn't feel like it's in relation to what you're doing, mm-hmm. is still you're still building skills and you're still making mistakes and you're still learning new things, yeah. whatever it may yeah. be. Um, but for me and my, my kind of experience, I was there when people were looking. And um, I think that's why I believe it's important to have a presence yep. of some sort and with whatever you're comfortable comfortable with and whatever fits in with you. But you, ha- you have to make your own opportunities, 100%, but you also have to be there for when people come looking. And if you're not there, they'll just find the next person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, you know, in that way that your career started off simply because um, it was a presence, you know, there yeah. was a presence, people saw you, people got talking yeah. and you got talking to them. Yeah. Um, but almost a counterpoint, I yeah. guess. And, and it's, it's not so much um, because I don't agree with that. I do, but I think there's a lot of people, like you just said, you know, um, it's definitely not mandatory, but it does help. Mm. Um, and I completely agree. I, I think that, you know, having a presence like that 
is almost critical to building up a portfolio. But mm. there's always the reticence of a lot of people to do that kind of thing. And there was a very good article um, that I'll be quoting quite a bit in this topic, I guess, um, on The Atlantic. Now, great site. You should totally yes. we read, all every, love the Atlantic. read everything yes. on The Atlantic because yes, they brilliant. do good stuff. Um, Megan Tift, uh, she wrote this article and it was called An Introverted Writer's Lament. Um, and it's, it's a very funny article and you should read it simply, even if you're not interested in the topic, just because mm. the writing is gorgeous and you, yeah. know, you should consume stuff like that. Um, but uh, the tagline is, writing used to be a solitary profession. How did it become so interminably social? Mm. Um, and there's, there's a particular quote in here that's interesting. And I'll read this out for you. And I quote, uh, what I want to know is, since when does making art require participation in any, in italics, community? beyond the intense participation that the art itself is undertaking, end quote. And another, uh, and I quote, since when did the community become our moral compass? Our viability as writers is determined so much by our team spirit. In many, and, end quote. In many ways, I think this is not so much talking about marketing and social mm, media. It's mm. talking about a community of writers. And, you know, you're saying you're building up relations and talking to people. And yeah. I'm sure during all of this, you were going to gigs and, you know, this kind of um, um, marketing. Um, but for people who are introverted uh, or, you know, don't really find that idea attractive, you know, mm. that is difficult because yeah. it's not it's not like they can do something no. to then be not yeah. introverted, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and for me, it's it's again, it's a it's a compromise because I'm not an introverted person, uh, but I like to keep my writing very. Uh, my writing is introverted, if that makes any sense. Uh, I myself, as a personality, am not. But when I write and, and and things like that, I do not like to market in the same way that. Oh no no yeah um, yeah yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Other. Um, self-published or published authors do uh, and that's not because i'm co- not confident of the work it's simply because i write and put things out and wish it never happened and then i move on and then i write okay. again um, and i mean the thing with that is yeah. and i think whatever you're making in life mm. if you're creative so whether you're writing something or you make a beautiful wooden table or you make shoes or a dress or art or music it's meant for, yeah it is one of the bravest things you can do Putting that out into the world. Yeah, that's right. Because you have no idea of how it will be received or what the reaction will be. Or whether there will be a reception. Yeah, well, that's right. (laughs) And so whenever anyone does any of those things, Mm -hmm. I think it's incredibly brave. Yeah. Um, And I think that fear, though, is of of how something may be received is what holds a lot of people back. Yeah. Um, And I think that's kind of another interesting area where... Yeah, people kind of, you just have to give it a go. Yeah. You yeah. just have to give it a go. Yeah, that's right. Think and of the worst thing that could happen and then be comfortable <laughs> with that and give it a go. And then just give it a go yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that daunts me about the um, marketing yourself as a business idea is that if you if you get stuck into, say, advertising yourself online, you got a website and you tweet sure. regularly then you're also going to be expected to be showing up at events and always sort of active in every single community, writing blogs, writing communities, writing groups, um, mm. book clubs, etc. Yeah. Is it viable to just be on the online, just have an online presence, like purely online presence? Absolutely. I mean, I look, I, st- I founded the Melbourne Writers Club, like I said, yeah. in my bio in um, 2011. It was a monthly meetup then. Amazing. I've met some amazing people through it. Now, Dan, who I believe you've had yep. on your podcast before, mm-hmm. he runs it most of the time sometimes himself because I just can't get there sometimes 
So, I'm, and I'm using that as a point to kind of lead into other stuff, which is I don't go to that many things at the Melbourne Writers' Festival. I don't mm-hmm. go to that many workshops or talks. I have no interest in half of the stuff out there. And I say that with absolute respect for anyone involved mm-hmm. no, in it. Yeah. But I, I love mm-hmm. all that stuff that goes on. And I've, I've been on a panel at Melbourne Writers' Festival. I've yeah. been to events. And whenever I do go to those things, I walk away inspired and mm. I've met new people. Mm. But sometimes I just don't have time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very viable to just have an online presence mm-hmm. and not be a public profile in, in the sense of needing to turn up all the time. Mm-hmm. I think you can determine what you want to be and what you're comfortable with. And yep. because the only way you're going to be able to, to sustain any form of treating yourself like a business and marketing is if you're happy with yeah. the kind of approach. So if you're going against, you know, if you started typing and, and writing things that were completely against what made you feel comfortable yeah. at, a, at a certain point that will stop because you just can't yeah, keep it can't up. It or if, yeah. if you sign up to four different networking events a week, you, you're not going to go next week. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. So you have to look at what you're comfortable doing. Mm. Um, in saying that, I do think a lot of people overthink things yeah. and they have ideas in their heads about what m- events may be like. or whatever. But then the second they go to one, they're like, oh, this is so much more friendlier than what I expected. Or, gee, this yeah, that's is right. nice. Or, they set themselves great, up for failure. Or whatever almost. it may yeah. be. So I would always suggest giving something a crack. Yeah. Go to a workshop, go to a festival, go to whatever it may be and then and then make an informed decision after that. Don't base it on what a friend has said or somebody else. But yeah, I don't think you need to be out and about all the time to mm. be to be doing that. And and online connections are just as relevant and strong as real life ones these days. So with mm-hmm. um going off the online comment, yeah. um it's interesting. There's another quote on this article that I think release this is uh, and i quote now when every popular technology is just another doorway opening onto the ever unfolding dormitory of life the one we're all expected to drift up and down with casual curiosity looking in on each other for the latest bit of gossip or distraction not even our desks are our private domain we're always just a click away from leaving the workbench for the forum end quote Mm. um it's interesting because a lot of people talk about uh having that presence being a distraction to the work that they do, especially when you have the same area for the, you know, the marketing and the writing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, how do you think that, um, how would you tell somebody, you know, who's having this problem? It's like, ah, oh, I'm just distracted. You know, I've got all these social media links and, you know, it's taking over my space. You know, where's the line drawn, you think? Again, I think it comes back to what the person's comfortable with. Yeah. And if you're finding yourself distracted and you recognize that you are, close everything down and just have your word doc open or pages Mm. or whatever it is that you use that you're going to write on or no one actually makes people this is yeah i love social media and i'm connected a fair bit Mm. i also disconnect from time to time but i'm way more connected than what i am disconnected but it kills me when people say like it takes over your life because i think no you've let it yeah or when people say oh social media is really bad or it's not great or all these negatives and i think you're allowing all those things to happen you Mm. actually have full control as a user it's the devil made me do it thing yeah Yeah. absolutely so (laughs) to people that are struggling with it or distracted Mm. i mean there's some great um there's that pomodoro technique which is a 30 minute thing you can do where you you set a a kitchen timer for 30 minutes you no distractions and you focus just purely purely on one task. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of writers and bloggers will do that. Yep. Get up, have a break, check Facebook, whatever it may be. Um, there are some great tools. I haven't used any and I don't know the names, but um, a quick Google search I'm sure would come up with mm. them where you can actually uh, basically block your internet off. So you yeah. can say I want six hours where I and it will block you from accessing yeah, yeah. 
whatever sites you yeah, put yeah. in. So if and you just you into cannot control yourself, yeah. you can actually yeah. do something like that. There's a switch, switch on the wall phone. next to the router yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the modem. But Correct. you can switch it back Correct. on again. <laughs> Turn your phone off on silent, whatever yeah, it may be. That's right. And look, it is a, a real thing, that pull of if you have your – I mean, I've got two phones, mm. for God's sakes. Like, yeah, yeah. So if I need to really get something done, they both go on silent, face down somewhere else, yeah. and I'll close down mail and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We only get as overwhelmed as, as we allow, we allow ourselves. ourselves be, yeah. I really believe that. So if you've got – you know, I've got my iMac open, and if I've got my mail open, I'm going to have a pop-up coming yeah, every five right. seconds and I'm and then Twitter's up and Facebook of of course I'll be distracted. <laughs> yeah. My whole day could be spent just hopping from notification to notification. Right, yeah. So again it's what you allow yourself to get pulled into. Mm-hmm. You know, but writers are notorious for procrastinating. Yeah, so right. please it's like. the way we survive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's right. Um I think uh you know coming down to it Again, like you said, it really does depend on the person and what yeah. what they are willing to do. Yeah. Um I think uh, there's no questioning that marketing and social media and attending events help. Like there, I don't believe there is a question here. Um, but at the same time, I think um, moving the topic, I guess, towards a community, right? Yeah. Like, like um, writing communities and, and blogging or interacting with other people. I think it's very important to have people you can rely on or have people you can talk to about your writing. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be a writer's um, get together or anything like that. Correct. It can just be a couple people that you Absolutely. talk to, a friend or something that you talk to. Yeah. Um, I think that is very important. Have a mentor figure um, to look up to, to, to give you advice and Absolutely. things like that. Um, yes, you may be introverted, but you know you will exist in this life and you will be with people. And who are you writing for if not for people? Absolutely. Um, and, and on that point, if you think of so many other industries, you know, musos do this really well where yeah. they – write a piece of music or do something and they may bounce it off somebody else or someone in their band or they collaborate. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that writers don't collaborate and do that, but there is that percentage of people that have this weird impression that it needs to be this solitary thing. And I'm not, I don't, I mean weird with with all due respect, (laughs) but, and and I I like that. And I love that romantic idea of it. Yeah. But I think in 2015, the reality is quite different. Mm -hmm. And when I hear talented people complain about other people doing things, I just think you're the only person that's held yourself back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to make your own opportunities and you've got to be out there so people can offer you the opportunities, mm-hmm. like I said earlier. Um, but, yeah, that idea that it needs to be this alone thing, if you think of so many other industries out there, like law or whatever it may be, you know, there's this whole time devoted to bouncing ideas around or mm-hmm. cut, grabbing a coffee with someone to nut through something yeah so we don't have to be doing it alone and you don't have to be part of a formal group yep when i started writers club i knew i didn't know a lot about what i wanted it to be but i knew i didn't want it to be anything where there had to be any type of work or commitment of any like you didn't have to sign up you didn't have to register you didn't have to pay anything you didn't have to read a book once a month there's a lot of pressure book clubs are yeah. a lot of pressure like you've got to read the book That's it's right. like, whoa things are busy like it's a lot of pressure so i just wanted to be a place where people could literally turn up at the last minute meet a few other people have a drink have a great time perhaps hear from an inspiring guest and leave mm. and if they never came again that was fine if they came every month that was fine as well mm-hmm. but um yeah, I'm not big on being locked into things yeah. and, and I think life changes really quickly and things come up. Mm. But the idea of having, like you say, a friend or someone that you can bounce ideas off or work things through or a mentor, mm. I think is really undervalued. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
Luke, any comments about <laughs> it's it? Like, yeah. yeah. No, it's, that sounds, that sounds good when me. I was um <laughs> when I was starting when I had just oh I was about to launch Anya mm-hmm. so about six years ago um I had a mentor at the time and probably more of a business mentor yeah um Sahil Merchant is his name and he's the guy that actually founded Magnation. Yes. So yeah, yeah. he's amazing. Like his background was in law, but he's a super smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's since moved on from, from there and he's doing other things. But he gave me some great advice and it was try and have coffee with three different people each week. <laughs> and it seems like such an awful commitment. Like three people, new yeah. people every week. Girl, can yeah. you even afford that much coffee? <laughs> 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 I drank way too much already. <laughs> and I did that for some time and it was one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. And now I don't, stick to the formula of three a week Mm -hmm. sometimes I might be one a week or a couple every month and then I might have six in one week it will depend yeah but that idea of expanding your network Mm -hmm. and constantly meeting new people um again from both sides as a writer it's been really beneficial to me because I've had opportunities come my way that wouldn't have well, I don't believe they would have oh, if so I didn't profession know that person. Pers- prospe- the, sorry, profession-specific coffees? Or? Well, I mean, it can be anything, really. It can just be mm-hmm. random. Fr- I mean, not Tinder. Let's not, let's not go there. <laughs> but, but, you know, random people is fine. But I think, you know, if, if one or two of them were in some yeah. form of uh, in a professional capacity. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, you're like, and as I was saying, with kind of my publishing and editing hat on, um, for me, I get a lot of opportunities that I can't take up or I don't want to take up. So when I get those opportunities, I think, who do I know that would love yeah. this or who this would be good for? And I wouldn't be thinking of those people if I didn't have their business card mm-hmm. in my drawer or n- chat with them on Twitter all the time or whatever it may be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's really important. I think, um, you know, with this article and also with your comments and also uh, experiences myself, like, and going to events and, and stuff yeah. like that and marketing and, and networking. Um, it's interesting because I feel if there is a established network or, or um, uh, a hub for writers mm. to, to get together and meet at festivals and things like that, as a writer who publishes work, there is a certain guilt that comes associated with that as if you feel, you know, I am not part of this this group mm. i'm not i'm not adding to the collective voice you know um Hush, Joel. yeah <laughs> and in and i think that shouldn't exist i think that guilt should definitely not exist mm. i feel if if you feel comfortable with not doing those things i think that you shouldn't feel guilty in that respect um but i think also uh the idea uh and and it again it says you know there is no romanticism uh, when you're not popular of being a closet writer, you know, yeah, yeah. like there is none because yeah. nobody knows who you are yeah. anyway. Uh, and that is a fact. And often people who are, uh, you know, um, quite private and personal about themselves, um, we often know about them because, well, they've already done something mm. that we know. Mm. Um, and and I think that is difficult for people who do have this idea of, I don't want to go to these events and I don't want to yeah. do these things. Yeah. Um, but I think if that's the case, then that shouldn't bother you because you should Agree. just be doing what you, you enjoy anyway. Agree. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting topic, and especially mm. with the Melbourne Writers Festival that I didn't go to this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I think in that way, there shouldn't be guilt. It should be you go to the events that you enjoy and yep. you go to the ones. And you have to not. suss out whether you like it or not. That's so right. there are a lot of wankers everywhere yeah, in every industry. Right. I've been to things <laughs> and I, I'm pretty down to earth and I think this is far too wanky for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be back here. I want to be with people that are real and down to earth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If I don't get Care that good vibe. Another feeling. The yep. thing is, you know, 
quite often I'll have people email me and just random people starting out or wanting mm-hmm. to, to launch their career or whatever it may be. And they'll say, oh, you know, if you had half a spare half an hour, would you want to catch up for coffee? And I say, sure, I'd love to. And then when I see them, they say, I'm so surprised you were so keen and eager to have a coffee. I'm like, why wouldn't you be? Yeah. And the reality is that, and I mean this in, in the nicest possible way, not the way it's going to sound, but everyone in life has something to offer you yeah, and you have true. something to offer everybody else. That's true. And it doesn't matter whether that person is 19 or 59 or whatever age it may be, everyone deserves a shot and a, and a crack. Yeah. Um, mm. And who am I to say, oh, this person has only been self-published, so they're not very yeah. good. Like who, <laughs> people that are of that mentality, I don't like. Yeah. Um, so I tend to avoid those kind of circles if, if they are out like there. Like the, the high-end publishers, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> it means we don't get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think um, that's that's a very, you know, that's a legitimate thing to say because I think it, the industry is dominated by, I guess, two particular forces of um, artists who want their work out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the other force is, you know, people who have a specific click or a specific yes, uh, yeah. thing or, or genre that needs to be published or cultivated, and then they only cultivate that sort of genre. And that exists everywhere. And I oh, and absolutely. I think that is a problem at the base level of the industry, you know, and, and that is something yes. that needs to change. And hopefully with time, it does change. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the, the nihilistic uh, part of me <laughs> that thinks I suppose it won't as well because just like every other industry, you know, um, there are always going to be of these, course. These, these kinds of The patterns. biggest thing I'd say is that, like I said earlier, you have to give it one shot at least. Right. So yep. sometimes even I've had perceptions or ideas about what I think something may be like mm-hmm. and then I've met the people and they're actually quite lovely. That's right. So yep. you can't base it off anyone else's opinion mm-hmm. or a preconceived notion. You just have to give – and again, like I said, make your own informed decision yep. and then, you know, at least you're happy with that. All righty. Well, I think we're towards the end. Uh, final comments from Luke, Sandy, nope. and then me. Nope. Go oh. for it. More comments. More comments. <laughs> oh. Final <laughs> comments. Close oh. us off. Uh, close us off. As in um – Wrapping up or about Wrapping topic? Wrapping up. <laughs> topic, wrap up, all topic, up to up. you. Wrap up topic, okay. That's right. Yeah, no, it's going to be good to build up a more more of a network for my, especially for the Patreon project now That's that right. I've got that going. Mm. So, And I think there's quite a lot of um, fantasy, like there's a whole pile of people that yeah. love the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So you should be able That's to right. connect uh, in with them. It's, there, yeah, there are smaller groups that care about dark fantasy, but um, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, yeah. let's just hope that there's um, a few of the other ones will tag along too. Yes. So. Okay. Come along for the okay. ride. But I think it's interesting because you are going on this weird like sort of mm. hop from different ideas of funding and business models and things like that. Testing um, the waters. Testing yeah. the waters. <laughs> and I think it's interesting to see where you'll go. So we'll mm. catch up with you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty, Sandy. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you uh, both for having comments? me. Oh no, just thanks for having me, and hopefully I've offered some form of insight <laughs> into mm-hmm. something. And um, yeah, my good. my biggest takeaway would be don't underestimate the power of your voice, mm. and don't be afraid to put that out there. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, give everything a shot and give it a crack, and and yeah, you you'd never know what opportunities are out there. You just don't know. Fantastic. 
Well, uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you want to know where to find The Morning Bell, you can find it um, uh, at The Morning Bell on Twitter, uh, themorningbell.net, uh, to look it up on our website, and all the various social medias you can find on their page. <laughs> uh, Luke, where can people find you if they want to know what you're doing? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at The Soul Shard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website is thesoulshardchronicles.com. And my Patreon project at the moment is www.patreon.com forward slash Manly Luke. Long story. Nope, short story. (laughs) All right, so that's short story. Manly Luke, short story. Sounds good. There's no short story. That was just short story. Okay, so Manly Luke. Yes, that's it. Don't confuse me. (laughs) Music confused. Uh, Sandy, where can people find you? Okay, so I'm Sandy Seeger. Mm Mm-hmm. S-I-E-G-R and Sandy with an I not confusing at all so sandyseager.com that's right uh, Sandy Seager on Twitter Instagram Facebook all those things my Facebook is I don't have a page I've got enough pages to manage I made the kind of executive Ariana Huffington decision to just have my profile <laughs> but allow followers so feel free to follow sure. um, and then On Your Magazine is On Your Mag on Twitter and Instagram On Your Magazine on Facebook onyourmagazine.com that's enough that is a lot of things. <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of things. A lot of things. All right. Well, you can find me at the Pen of Joel on Twitter, thepenofjoel.com. More announcements about novellas and various writing endeavors will be on that website. Um, posted way too late, but it will be there <laughs> eventually, so you can check it out there. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope to see you on the next podcast in two weeks. Till then, mm. see you later. <laughs>